to The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. My name is Sonny Bunch. I am the culture editor at The Bulwark. I am pleased to be joined today by Chris McKenna. Chris McKenna, with feature writing partner Eric Summers, has written on the latest Spider-Man movie series, Homecoming, Far From Home, and Untitled Spider-Man number eight, uh, as well as Ant-Man and the Wasp and Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. McKenna previously served as the executive producer and co-showrunner of the critically acclaimed TV series Community, for which he uh, earned nominations for both an Emmy Award for Outstanding Writing in a Comedy Series and a Hugo Award for the episode Remedial Chaos Theory. He also shared a nomination for a Writers Guild of America Award for his work on The Mindy Project. Uh, and McKenna began writing for TV on the long-running Fox animated series American Dad. Chris, how are you today? Well, we're all out of time. All right. Um, all right. That's, that's it. That's a great show. Great show. Yeah. No, uh, I'm excited to be here. Uh, so... Chris, I wanted to I wanted to talk to you a bit about writing for TV because I think it is a uh, I think it is a thing that people don't necessarily understand how it works. Uh, for instance, I'm very curious to know which of the community characters you wrote for. Uh, did you were you writing Chevy Chase's character or Joel McHale's character uh, um, on the show? Because I'm tall and so is Chevy. Um, I was uh, I was given I was given uh, Pierce Hawthorne's character to write, and so. I'd usually just sit in my office all day and just try to write a bunch of uh, Pierce Hawthorne lines. And then at the end of the day, we'd just get together and all the other people who had different characters. I don't know. Right. I'm going to stop you'd mix doing them, this You'd bit. mix them all. You'd mix yeah, them no, no, no. No, mix you, them together. It's, no you, you cut you, them up. You cut them up in the, in the little pieces and you put them in a hat and then you pull them out and then you just sort of, you know, yeah. that, that improv game. But that's yeah. how we did each script. That's how that, every sitcom is written. That it's funny because you said you said you get this question sometimes uh, from people who who don't know how writing works. Like, what character did you write for? And that kind of blew my mind just because I like I, you know, I actually look at the credits before the show show starts and it's like directed by and written by. And it's one person. Usually sometimes it's two people. But, you know, I, so what is what is a writer's room actually like? I mean, when you're when you're sitting there trying to figure out how to plan out both a season and an episode, like what is how does that process work? I will say, just to, before I answer that question, that I always did love writing for Chevy, uh, Chevy's character, Pierce Hawthorne, um, because it was just came so easily to me because I would just channel my father, um, <laughs> uh, Roger DeSalvo McKenna, um, and all of his uh, insanity and uh, veiled uh, bigotry. Um, uh, and then I it would do. It was a trap every time for myself. I'd I'd I'd, I'd, uh, I'd trap myself um, because then it would be my episode that I would officially write. Even though you know we all worked on it together, you know under Coach Harmon and star quarterback Dan Harmon, also a great running back Dan Harmon. Um, you're gonna get so many sports metaphors from me. <laughs> I'm a big sports head. Strong safety. Um, uh, but then, you know, it was your episode, you have to be on set. And then I go, oh, my God, I'm now on set with Chevy. And I have to now um, explain the jokes to him. No, um, be yelled at, belittled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he's a character. I, I loved writing for him, but working with him, obviously, you know, it could be a whole different uh, ball yeah. of wax. Yeah, so so the actual writing process, though, I mean, like, do do you do you guys sit around the table and like spitball ideas on like, okay, this is gonna be this is gonna be our Nicolas Cage episode, um, and then and then kind of you know like riff on that for a while, and then somebody goes away and like actually writes the script, and then you come back and and you talk it all out, or how does how does that actually work? Um, 
Yeah, well, you know, due to whatever uh, uh, history of the Writers Guild or whatever, um, you, you know, basically writing a TV show require you know, you were, it became a, writer, a writing staff, you know. Um, so it was like a staff of writers. They'd all work together um, in room, in one room or, you know, numerous rooms. Um, and you would then, you know, assign one writer or one writing team uh the, the script to go off and write, but before you go off and write in comedy, um, at least from my experience is, um, yeah, you kick around story ideas, you kick around, um, ideas, you finally land on one idea that the showrunner goes, okay, let's, let's pursue this idea. This is a fun story. Then you, um, either send off a room if you have a big enough staff or you, as a one room start working on, okay, what are the, like, what's the story? What are the story beats of this? And, you flesh it out. You flesh out a whole story. And this is, again, this is my personal experience working on three different sitcoms, um, American Dad and Community and the Mindy Project. And you break it out together. You, you know, you, you are, a, you, know, a, a, you know, a hive mind in that room trying to break it out um, beat by beat, act by act. Um, and then uh, if you feel like you've got it and you've pitched it, you know, to the room and you've pitched it to the showrunners and they approve, you know, you go off and you write a outline and you bring it back to the room, you go over it again, and then, um, you know, you make any any changes and notes, and then um, you usually go off and write it. And that's if you're working on a show that you have time to go off and write it. Um, oftentimes on community, uh, you we'd get so uh, behind schedule um, that... Oftentimes we would just gang write a, 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 a script together and um, but there would be an assigned writer and, and his or her name would go on it or the writing team's name would go on it. Um, but, you know, I mean, the rule of thumb usually with with all of television sitcoms is it's a group endeavor. One person's name is on it as the credited writer. And, you know, and it varies per writer and it varies varies per show. I mean, you know, like on The Simpsons, was it Schwartzwelder would go, I mean, he, he I think he would be given like an, a, I don't know how much instruction he'd be given. He'd, he'd go off and I don't think he'd work with the room. Maybe he would get uh, outlines approved. I, I never worked on The Simpsons, but like he was one of those guys who had like a singular voice. And I think he would sort of turn in stuff that was, oh, this is a Schwartzwelder script. Again, I don't know how much of an outline he would be running past the room. I, I don't know. I probably should have done research before I opened my mouth on that. But you hear about like so, certain writers, though, like, oh, he gets to go off and just sort of, you know, take take his big swing at it. Yeah. I think obviously under uh, an approved area or approved basic story, I would guess. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and you know, the speaking of like stories from from rooms you you hear about you know sometimes guys like uh like on Mad Men I remember there was there was some controversy because Matt Weiner would you know want to put his name on a lot of the scripts mm -hmm. you know because you know look I I as he put it you know I'm I'm the one who's actually writing a lot of these lines but I I feel like that didn't really happen a lot on Community I don't I don't see a lot of well that there Dan I mean it was Dan I mean Dan is. I'll just say, you know, he's he's legitimately brilliant, and he's probably the most talented writer I've ever witnessed, and um, and also one of the funniest human beings you'll ever meet, um, if not the funniest, just off the cuff and on the page. Um, you know, it was his show, and he he was not used to writing with other people. Like he like he wrote all, you know, he came from you know Channel One Hundred One and developing his own shows, and he was you know you know would bring 
you know, one or two people occasionally to come in, I think, on, on some stuff. Then I think Sarah Silverman show that he was running or co-running, um, I forget, with Sarah, he was brought in to be, you know, the showrunner. And, you know, there had to be a writing staff. And he had never done that before. And so he brought in people he had worked with before. Um, I think I think most of them he did. But that, I think that was a big learning curve for him. But then when he sold a network show, I mean, he wrote the pilot. And it was, it was his. And obviously he was working with the Russo brothers who were executive producers and Russ Krasnoff and... Sony and, you know, and then, you know, NBC. Um, and, but that pilot is, you know, pure Dan. And mm -hmm. then he had to do this really uncomfortable thing, which is be part of a network TV show. And I think that was a big learning curve for him because he wasn't used to it. Um, yeah. Uh, he wanted to write everything himself and he, and his hands went through, I mean, his hands went through every script. So I, I, I mean, I, and sometimes he would completely rewrite it, you know, and not a word of the writer's original draft was in there. Um, yeah. But that writer got the credit. Um, I, I'm saying we had a, you know, look, I mean, I, it was a, I think it was a big adjustment for him. Um, and I think eventually he started trusting other writers more. I came on midway through the first season um, and I was there as that sort of sea change started to happen with him where he started um, trusting other writers a bit more and, and, and being like, oh, my God, you guys came up with something that really pleased me. Because um, I think, rightfully so, it's, I mean, I, I think I've eventually adopted this idea just in my life and in my career, which is, and it's not cynical, I think you just, I think it's not a bad idea to assume that everyone's bad at their jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not saying it in a cynical That's... way, and I'm not saying it in a mean way, it's just one of those things you learn that if if you assume until you have, until you until you have had that person, if until that person has gained your trust, you just have to assume that you're going to have to do everything and you have to come up with all the ideas. And then you start going, oh, wait, that person has great ideas. And that person actually has follow through and that person, because I mean, we're all human beings. And I think our, you know, our, our, um, our natural state is lazy, incompetent, <laughs> um, apathetic. And if you rely on other people without really knowing you can trust them, um, then you things can just blow up in your face. And then you're just like, oh, what, what, we, we were we were handed this opportunity and then I trusted you and then you didn't deliver. So it, so I, I, I so you screwed up. You trusted us. Exactly. But I think I mean, I think in all walks of life, I mean, every yeah. day it's like, you know, walk through a grocery store, whatever, pre pandemic and try to get someone's attention. They don't want to talk to you. They don't want to help you. I mean, like wherever you go, you just have to assume like I have to figure this out on my own. Um, and I don't, again, I don't think it's cynical. I think it's just like, uh, I think Dan, that was, Dan hadn't worked with anyone. And then he started to realize, oh, I can trust this writer. This person can do a good draft. This person's really funny with jokes. And he's never done that before. He, he was the guy who would just hole up. Even when I first got there, first season, like I got my first day of work, he was holed up writing the Jack Black script. I don't remember that one, but like Jack Black is the new guy in the study group who buddy oh, yeah, who, like, yeah, comes yeah. in, disrupts yeah. everything. I, my first day of work in November of 2009, he wasn't even there. He was holed up at his house, like trying to write this draft and was just saying, I need a scene that does this. And I was sent off with another writer who was new too for our first day. And we were just sent off to like write a scene uh, that was like, uh, what is this? What is this Spanish class scene with like, you know, uh, uh, what is Chang coming back from Christmas vacation? What's happening here? Just come up with something. So 
And then he began to sort of, you know, I think over that first year, he started to trust writers that, oh, this doesn't have to be all him, um, mm-hmm. that maybe not everyone is totally incompetent or lazy or apathetic. Yeah. Um, and I think overall, though, um, once you can get into that place with a writer's room that you do trust the room, um, it could be great. It could be so much fun. And that was... Uh, took me a while to get into TV because all I wanted to do was film and I was just flailing at that. And I'm a kind of a social creature that I had friends who were really successful in TV and they said, why don't you do TV? You'd have so much more fun like, instead of just going off by yourself because it gets really lonely if you're by yourself, particularly if you're just trying to break in and you're just trying to write these scripts on your own. You're like, you're just beating your head against the wall and, um, and it's a very... And you, you're seeing no forward progress if you're just trying to like write specs and stuff. So I did break into TV. Being in a room with a bunch of people, you felt like, oh, this is real. Like this is the stuff we're doing is actually um, maybe gonna it's gonna get made. And like this isn't all for like some de- script that's gonna sit in a desk drawer somewhere. Right. Right. Well, before the show started, you 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 had talked a little bit about uh, how your uh, your how you how you eventually got to you know the American Dad. Uh, uh, room. Um, can you can you can you can can you say that again? Say say what you said to me before, but again, oh, like, uh, just about just like just getting into the business. I yeah, mean, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's hard. It's 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 hard for anyone trying to get into Hollywood. Well, yeah, because there is no set path, you know. Um, uh, uh you know, unless you are born, unless you're Max well, Landis, unless you have, well, exactly, unless you're born into it, unless you unless you have a last name, like oh. Of the Redwood Landis's. Um, yes, come on in. And again, I don't know. I don't know what his. I don't know what his story was. Um, I mean, uh, but uh, except he had a very famous father. Um, but you know, I don't think he would have gotten a bunch of jobs if he had. You know, fl- I don't know. Anyway, why, why are we talking about Max Landis? Um, I. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I. Came down. I, I came, you know, here. I, I, and I want all I want to do is movies. I'm going to make movies. I wasn't that interested in TV, even though TV was like my third parent growing up. And I just wanted to make movies. And so I started writing with a f- friend of mine um, from uh, college, and while working as a, an assistant to a producer, and then. Uh, through one of the producers I had worked for on a movie, we got like our first movie scrap uh, spec uh, to these producers who were making at the time they were like producers on Waterworld and Cable Guy, and they liked our script. But that was through a connection I'd had. I was an assistant to uh, a couple producers, and one of them, you know, handed off to these other producers, and it was good enough to get a meeting. So I was like, oh my god, I'm, I got a meeting. And it was one of those things where we <laughs> so dumb. I walked into this meeting where they're sitting there expecting like, okay, what are we going to do with this script? Uh, which, of course, I'm like, well, we got to get to this guy named Peter Jackson in New Zealand. Um, and this is like, because I loved Evil Dead and I knew Heavenly Creatures yeah. were coming out. I'm not Evil Dead, um, Brain Dead, or I forget what the yeah. Australian, the New Zealand original title was. But, um, and they're like, okay, yeah, but what, what other ideas do you have? And I just, we just sort of sat there stupidly going, oh, we need other ideas. And I just, we pulled one out of our ass. And I'm like, yeah, let's do that. And then so they like gave us this huge sum of, three thousand dollars enough that like we both thought we could quit our jobs uh, like oh yeah we've made it we're gonna write for these guys who are making this movie and so three thousand dollars that's gonna go really long way we both quit our jobs <laughs> or at least my my writing partner who was working at a bookstore bookstore um uh 
was like, well, I'm going to quit my job. And I'm like, well, I have a job where I can just sit and write all day. So I'm not going to quit my job. He's like, well, that's really unfair. And I was like, well, but so I'm supposed to quit my job too. So I quit my job because I got guilted into it, which didn't make sense. But in retrospect, uh, and then of course I turned around and bought a big screen TV for $1,500. Of course. I like, all my money on it. I'm like, okay, well, we, you know, it's big time. Um, yeah, and then off of that script, we actually wrote it in about six weeks, and we're really happy with it. It was this dark romantic comedy, and uh, then uh, we signed with uh, this new agency called Endeavor with this really young, um, hot agent, and uh, beware anyone who ever tells you your script is a slam dunk, because you get done hearing slam dunk, slam dunk. And then we finally went out with it to like 40 places like in one day and it hit the back of the rim and went to midcourt. You know me. It's another sports good sports. That's another yeah. good sports metaphor. You're doing it. You're doing it, Chris. <laughs> well, I did play basketball, so I can kind of <laughs> muddle my way through those. Um, yeah. And then that just became like this slog of like writing more specs and without a job and like trying to figure out like, well, this one's going to be it. And we just wrote this dark romantic comedy that people really liked but thought it was too dark. So we should definitely switch genres and do a futuristic sci-fi serial killer movie in sure. Denver in the winter. And they'd be like, oh, my God. That one, uh, our agent didn't even want to go out with. He hated it so much. And um, then it just, like, was this slow decline where, like, my partner and I split up. And then I was trying to write stuff on my own. And... Um, I went back to those other producers that I'd done the romantic comedy with, and I, I had an idea for them, and I did that, and that one we didn't set up, and no one really seemed to like that one. Um, it was like a family. Basically, I wanted to do The Sorcerer's Apprentice, but like as a sort of big family movie, and that one didn't go anywhere. And then at a certain point, uh, like I, I was just watching not only my friends who went down like the paths of like which have like oh you go to med school and you get a medical degree or I was just flailing and and then I had friends who were in TV here who were just like you know working on on you know Larry Sanders show and Letterman and and they were they were you know all doing really well and they were like why like just come to TV come to TV and then eventually. Um, my baby brother, who was a writer and brilliant, and he was graduating from uh, Northwestern, and he wanted to come out and get into TV, too, and into writing. I'm like, why don't we team up? And so we teamed up, wrote a couple specs, and then uh, uh, got um, got a TV agent, and... Um, because uh, I, I I forgot to mention, oh yeah, my the the Endeavor agent really didn't want to have anything more to do with me after a few failed specs. Um, so then I went with a TV agent, and then um, staffing for American Dad came up, and um, we got offered um, a spot as staff writers on the first season of American Dad. What what's the difference between writing for for animation and for live action? Uh, I, I, I is there any difference? Is it is it exactly the same? I mean, I'm I'm I, I feel like you know there's probably some more uh, improv obviously in live action uh, possible, but um, what is what's what's the big difference if if you don't know anything about writing for TV? Well. I will say, like, American Dad, because it was the, you know, uh, at the time, the whatever, the ugly stepsister to Family Guy, this behemoth, um, 
we knew there were certain things that we couldn't do. Like we couldn't do all those cutaway gags. It had to be more story oriented, which we started gravitating towards. So I would say that in a lot of ways, because we really had to focus not on um, cutaway gags, we really had to focus on three act stories. And so in a lot of ways, that was, um, I think, a really great place for us to learn great storytelling, like really strong act breaks. Um and uh, midpoints and, and all of that, um, that uh, we were just, and luckily I was with some really talented people who were really good at that and I learned a lot from them. Um, but, you know, animation is a long process. You know, it can take up to a year, if, unless you're South Park, um, to produce like a network, you know, one episode of a network show, of, of, of an episode. And so it is, it's a process that takes like up to a year. So you are constantly um, rewriting it as it goes along in different stages. Like you, you know, you break the story and obviously, you know, uh, animation, you know, you can get away with, you know, crazier sets. I mean, like sets are drawn and even though that mm -hmm. takes work from the animators, it's not like building a whole crazy, if you say exterior moon, that's a little easier than if you have to actually build the moon, if you can just draw it. But um uh, you know, and everything's a little, you know, in terms of tone, it's, you know, obviously stuff can be a little broader depending on, on the animated show. Um, but the, it's just the production of it is just so different. Um, yeah. because so you, you know, obviously you know, like, like any show, you know, it could take a, a week or two or more to break a story and then you, but it's the same thing. You go off to a draft, you know, outline and then draft and then you rewrite it in the room and then you have a table read and then you get to hear like how it sounds. Um, fun thing about animation though is you get to sit in a room with a bunch of uh, animators who have to draw everything and that means every time there is exterior moon um, they get to think about all the weekends they're missing as they're drawing exterior moons. <laughs> so it's a really fun room to sit around with. So you have like actors and writers and writers who are really proud of this thing they've been working on and then on the perimeter are all these animators who are already been there for for days on end without sleeping and then are hearing all these like oh and then guess what we're up roger the alien's butt and then ah, ha, ha. and they're all thinking like okay great so that's like a ton of new animation that we <laughs> in backgrounds and and i'm never gonna meet a woman <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, not not that it's not that way, like, you know, on Community, where, you right. know, the scripts were always coming in late, and we we're, oh, guess what, we're, like, we shoot on Monday, and we push the read until the Friday before, and it's like, what do you mean we need a spaceship? What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Oh, also, oh, um, I know the shoot's tomorrow, but is there any way the Dean could be half woman, half man? Uh... <laughs> So, uh, so, so you, so, all right, so you go, you go to, so community. less crew members, less non-writers in the room that right. a table read is definitely one of the things I've learned. People <laughs> okay. who actually do the hard work okay. to get it all into right. production. Yeah, yeah. Don't have them around. It really kills the mood in the room. <laughs> so, all right. So you go from, you go from, uh, uh, American dad to community. You're on community as a staff writer for half a season. Well, no, I mean, that's the thing is, I mean, television one of the things that's different about television and, and features is television, you are, you know, you're working your way up to be, you're, you're producing the episodes. You are the producer. Mm -hmm. So the, the writer holds the power in TV. The writer is dirt in features, unless they also happen to be directing it. Um, but it's a different, it's a totally different power dynamic. So um, you learn how to produce as you work. So mm -hmm. you start off as a staff writer and then you work your way up like the hierarchical chain of, your staff writer, then story editor, 
no, executive story. Oh yeah, story editor, executive story editor. I haven't been in TV in a while. Um, <laughs> uh, I've gone under the big. You're beyond all that now. The big screen. The now big, you go where the, they treat the, you like dirt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the the big screen in your living room. Uh, look oh. for the premiere of Spider Man Eight Disney Plus. Oh no, no, don't okay. say that. No, I know. Well, I'm probably not allowed to. <laughs> um, so. It's this whole hierarchy, and with that comes, you know, like a pay raise, and you know, like staff writer, you don't even get paid for your scripts, like you know, so that's supposed to be an incentive, like oh, give the staff writer a script, so therefore, because you don't have to pay him or her, and uh, but then it's sorry, I'm repeating myself, story editor, exec story editor, and then I think co-producer, then producer, then uh, supervising producer, and then executive producer. I think, I don't know, maybe I missed them. Um, but each one you get, you know, you're working your way up. And though as a TV writer, like I said, you are producing it. Like you are working, like whoever's directing your episode, you're working with that director, but in a way like you are, you're sort of calling the shots. You like with the showrunner, you're supposed to be producing this thing. Um, so by the time I left, uh, by the time I left American Dad after five seasons, and this was like all during the strike, and so we were waiting to get a pickup for a sixth season, um, I got an offer to uh, go on to um, Community. And at that point, I came on, I think, as a co-executive producer. Um, so I'm just clarifying. I wasn't a fucking staff writer. Funny. No, <laughs> okay. All right. I, <laughs> no, see, no. I don't even know what the, I don't know what the difference here is. No, no, no. Uh, it's different. No, it's funny because executive producer in television means like you're in like you're one of the main guys in charge. An right. executive producer usually in features means you're a line like you're like a line producer or you're you're or you're but the producer is the title you want like in right. features. That's the right, right. it's the creme. That's who gets the Oscar. Yes, but. So you better not have, but you only if there's like three. Is it four? What's the limit? Four. I think it's four is the limit. Okay. Um, All right. So so you all right. You this actually answers one of my questions then because you you go to community and and you're kind of working your way up the chain. But it 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 you had already been kind of producing stuff uh, before that more or less, right? Right. Not live action though. It was animation. Right. So like, you know, like where, oh, so I, 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 sorry, just to go back for a second to, to between the difference between uh, animation, like uh, an animated show and, and a live action show. And I've never worked on a multi-cam, but this, so this is just a single camera. Um, in animation, so yeah, you have the table read and then you do a rewrite and then you send it off and it goes off to uh, get basically to storyboards. And so that'll take a couple months to get all the storyboards in. And then you give and then you're literally sitting there, you get like these giant stacks of storyboards and you go through them and you going panel by panel, like going through the storyboard. And also you are um, you're also doing the records with the actors. where yeah, some stuff that can be improvised there and and what have you, and then um, but mostly you're sticking to the script from my experience, um, and then you work with the dialogue editor to put together basically a radio play of that episode, and then <clears throat> all the notes are addressed on the on the storyboards, and then they turn it into what's called an animatic. I don't know if you've ever seen an animatic. You mm-hmm. probably have. It's like you've ever looked watched like a. You know the extras like on, a, on right, like right. the Incredibles or whatever. It's basically black and white. You know, thumbnail sketches sometimes, sometimes rough, sometimes not so not so rough, but p- put together with the radio play. And then you watch all that together, and you basically see is the story working or the jokes working. And then you rewrite after that. And af- 
after you do the rewrite, they redo the storyboards and then it gets all sent off or we'd ship it to Korea where we had an animation house. Um, and they would, uh, uh, some people chained to desks would, uh, <laughs> would turn it into an animated episode of the show. And then, so that would be the color that would come back and then the color would come back. And each stage you go along, the less you can change. Mm-hmm. But so, but it is one of those one of these things where the process you can be adapting and changing stuff up to a certain extent. The more you change it at certain stages, it's the more expensive it is, and less you yeah. can do, and you, the more you get yelled at if you try to change more. Um, yeah. And then the color comes back, and you can change some of that, and then you know, and then you get it down to whatever it was back then. I don't know if it was twenty one fifty or still like twenty, or I'm sorry, twenty one thirty or twenty thirty uh, minutes, twenty yeah. minutes thirty seconds. Um, this isn't the golden age of the Simpsons not yeah. when you can actually have a and B stories and actual right. C runners. It was really tough. You know, you try to cram those things in, but you realize once that it got whittled down from whatever it was like back in the 90, early nineties, I think it was probably, I don't know. What was it like closer to like 25 minutes? It got whittled down to yeah. like 20 minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah. So well, live action, though, is a different beast. It's just, you are producing an episode a week. So once that chain, once that train starts going and, you know, usually if, uh, you know, if, if, if you're doing like a show that, you know, you know, we're still before, before TV imploded and network television just went, you know, got creamed by streaming and all that. Um, Mm -hmm. it was, you know, you'd, you'd start up your room in June for the fall, um, season and so you'd start in June usually, and you'd just be breaking stories and writing scripts, and then you start production sometime in August, so that you could have episodes ready for whatever end of September, early October um, for their premieres. Um, but that train just starts going. I mean, you know, there's no that that you you are producing an episode a week. You're not, and then it's usually like you know two or three episodes on a hiatus week off. And then two or three more weeks on. So it is this thing that is, there's, you know, one, you know, we've, you know, in community, we had to push sometimes just because we got so behind the eight ball. Um, but that costs money when you push and each it fucks yeah. around with scheduling and everything. And you're trying to buy an extra week and, and then that, that just cuts into your budget. So, um, but you are, you know, you are shooting like it would Monday through Friday or Friday as we would call it, because you'd usually go into like early morning, you know, before, before the cock crows on a Monday, I mean, on a Saturday morning, uh, sometimes, uh, yeah. just pushing our crew to the limit, um, and the limit of, uh, overtime, double overtime, all that kind of garbage. Um, but you, yeah, then you, got, and then you start all over the following Monday and hope that script is ready. And yeah. also, cause you're also doing the table reads that week while you're in production on one episode, usually. Yeah. I feel, it feels very, I, I feel like people, you know, now now you have like a, a a whole season of whatever the HBO show is, right? Like Perry Mason, right? Like right. all that is done, all that is done, and then they roll it out. Um, and network TV feels very different from that. Like it feels a little more fly by night. Well, that's almost. what was fun about it because this was also like. Well, it's definitely, you know, like I said, I mean, it's, like I said, I mean, like once that train, the train of production leaves, like you are, that's what's so different now between, you know, I mean, we can get into it in a minute, like with the streaming of it all, like it's just, it's turned into such a, I haven't experienced it firsthand, but I've been very close to it and seen what it's done to people and how it's changed the whole process. Mm-hmm. But um, part of the fun, this is also when Twitter was fun. Remember like 2009, 2010 no. when Twitter wasn't a fucking hellscape? Nope. 
No, it's it was fun because you would get like people would like it would air and it would, you'd watch the show yeah. live like on a Thursday night at eight o'clock and you'd see people responding to it and that was one of those things that we all just grew to love because yeah. it just felt like oh you could actually react they're picking up on things and we could build off of that maybe in the next you know episode that okay well, they're four weeks behind us or five weeks behind us but we could oh they're 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 liking this thing and they're really loving Troy and Abed and all that kind of stuff which Dan I thought was really great he, his interaction and using Twitter to interact with the fans and reading like what they were liking wasn't catering to them but it was just sort of like it was I don't know it felt like it was more of like a communal experience with the with the viewer in a really fun mm-hmm. way getting that kind of feedback um, I, which now at so many of these shows it feels like. Oh, right. The whole season before you start producing it, you know, for your Netflix show. Yeah. Oh, also, we might not pick it up. So you might have wasted nine months of your life writing eight episodes of a show that now we're not even going to make. And also, um, you get paid, but you get paid more if you produce the episodes. And guess what? You're making half of what you thought you were going to make because now we've decided we're not making it. And you just see that so often with a lot of these, you know, cable and streaming um, shows uh where uh it's just uh doesn't so, have that it, it doesn't have because there was a timeline i mean network is about timeliness you know it's about there's premiere it's it's going to premiere and we're making a whole slate of shows that are going to premiere and you're still making them as you're making them and you got to get them out there because it's all ad sponsored it's not subscription based right. you know you're not building right. a library you're building like shows that everyone wants to watch and get most eyes on it so that the sponsors are happy. Um, it's a, just, it just it, the whole, the whole incentive uh, is, is just changed. Uh, the whole uh, making of and what it, what it turns into, because yeah. you're not going to get. I mean, the funny thing is, like, you have all these shows that they're bidding over. Like, who's going to get the Friends catalog? Who's going to get the Office? I mean, these are shows that went on for like nine or ten seasons, right? And you could binge it, and they were like, they were like the most watched shows on these on these streaming sites. None of these streaming sites are making any shows that go past like three seasons, unless yeah. it's a critical like, unless it's like, oh, this is our Emmy bait, and this is, you know, we have some uh, high, uh, you know, critical, you know, some critical darling that 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 uh, is gonna, you know, or a big star that wants to keep on doing this, because yeah. it's just like it's just it's a store that that now serves so many different niches that there's no incentive to go past like three episodes of a show. I mean, three seasons of a show. Right, Particularly right. if built in at the end of season three is that's when, oh, you got a big payday, you know? Right. You got a big, big payday. So that becomes a disincentive for a lot of these sites to not go past season three. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, so this is, you know, Netflix's kind of whole business model, right, is built on we need to keep creating new stuff and keep getting people, you know, uh, watching watching whatever the new thing is. And that, uh, it, it it, it weirdly, despite the fact that everything is available all the time, it weirdly disincentivizes repeat viewings. I mean, like when I was growing up, right, the the Simpsons was on syndication and you'd watch, you know, whatever you'd watch the new episode on Sunday. But you'd also watch the episode at six and six thirty on Fox five or whatever. Right. You'd watch uh, you, you'd watch the 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 like episodes from season two, three, four five over and over and over again. And with that repetition, they entered the kind of public lexicon they entered. The, the public consciousness and I don't think that that can happen with stuff on Netflix at this point I like there there is despite the fact again that everything is available all the time it could be watched whenever you want because you're not being told to watch the Frank Grimes episode or you're not being told to watch you know 
uh, uh, Lisa becomes a vegetarian or, you know, whatever. Like, the, you don't actually do it. Um, and this is, so this is one thing I, I was, I was kind of curious about, you know, uh, looking at, looking at it from your perspective as a, you know, as a former now TV writer, um, do you, do you think that there is a, a shelf life for any of these shows beyond like their first run on Netflix or Hulu or whatever? I don't know. I mean, honestly, um, I haven't thought about much about. I haven't done television since I left um, community. I mean, I've you know I've developed some TV shows, and, and that's been a whole different thing. That, that you know, the, the whole new type of you have more places to fail now, which is really great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a good question. Uh, I will say, like, in terms of like, it's funny because I have two small kids, like you know, like six and eight, uh, who during the pandemic. Like they came in, and I was watching an episode of Simpsons on Hulu, and they're like, "What is this?" And like, and they instantly got uh, obsessed with The Simpsons in March. Whereas I think with a lot of families, movie night became suddenly seven nights a week, and it was <laughs> watching three episodes of The Simpsons every night, and they just mm -hmm. burnt through like thirty-two, ep thirty-two seasons of that show. Right, and they would watch them over and over again. And then they discovered Bob's Burgers and that was in May and they discovered Bob's Burgers and Bob's Burgers has been on a television in this house. <laughs> like just, it just goes and goes. We're to the point where like I've been away and I come back and I'm like, I've seen this episode four times. That means you must've seen it 10 times and it's a great show, but they are, like, they found one show that they're repeat watching. Um, but you know, whatever, that's kids. It's definitely different from, I, one of the things I really miss about um, you know, I think that, that, and I'll answer your question in a second, but like one of, one of the things that really bummed me out about the whole streaming thing is the binging of it all, because I think one of the really fun things that I was saying earlier is the communal experience of watching TV together and whatever, whether it's a real water cooler or a virtual water cooler, getting to talk to someone the next day of like, oh my God, did you see that episode mm -hmm. last night? And I, that's why when I was, when, when my partner and I were going around recently or last year or so, like, you know, taking meetings at places like Apple and stuff, I was like, can we get back to once, can we do once, can we screen it once a week? Like HBO does so that it's, people talking about that show and it doesn't all disappear in a weekend. It's like, Oh, where are you and your time shift mentality of, of, you know, whatever show you're watching where we're all talking about game of Thrones. We're all looking forward to it and you're all getting online and you're reacting to it. And I really miss that element of it. And it seems, it seems like some people are coming around to that, you know, going yeah. back to that model, which I think is great because then it is like, because we really don't have anything uh, except, you know me. I'm a sports head. Uh, I'm a sports guy. Right, sure. Jocko. Um, you know me. And all every year, it's all about the Super Bowl. It's all right, about right. you know. But it is like the, you, we're missing. But we really are. There's nothing that we're all experiencing together anymore, except for mm -hmm. live sporting events, which we don't even have that anymore with like the pandemic. Really, I guess. Well, I guess. I guess what football is still going on. But it. I, that's what was so great about like not having the time shifting uh, so that because we're all just getting atomized into our own little like even within our own households like we're not even watching stuff together we're all of our own screens and we're all watching different shows right. and we're all watching oh maybe the same shows but at different times are you, are you up to this episode yet oh yeah I'll watch that without you it was really entertaining yeah. I, I just miss the communal element of that and obviously the communal element since particularly since we don't even have the communal element of movie theaters right now so yeah 
Um, yeah. Anyway, I forget. I'm, I even forget what your other question was, but I. No, that's fine. It was bad. It was dumb anyway. <laughs> I don't even remember what it was. Uh, I mean, you you mentioned you mentioned the atomization and kind of being apart from family. I, it it's very different now working on this new Spider-Man movie for you, right? Like with all the you know, travel and not being able to travel. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I mean, it, it has to be tough. Yeah. 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 It's definitely a different world with the, the virus um, in terms of, you know, making a movie. The fact that we're actually doing it is incredible. Um, and, you know, but there's tons of precautions in place and, but yeah, personally, you know, when I worked on homecoming, they asked us to come down for all of production, which was, uh, I think, June through, I want to say like, I don't know, early October or something. And this is in Atlanta, this right? This is in Atlanta, yeah. We shot it at Pinewood, um, which has a new name now, like Trulia or something like that. Um, and I basically said I have to come home every weekend to see my family. And, uh, and luckily, Atlanta is not as far away from LA as New York, so it's a slightly shorter flight and um, but I was coming home every Friday night and flying back like Sunday afternoon sometimes the red eye on Sunday um and you can't do that this time yeah no I've been yeah. I was down there all of like most of October November December came back here had the fun of quarantining for two weeks and then I get back uh, I go back this weekend um yeah. and uh we have another couple months to shoot um and yeah, so it's just, yeah, you know, it's, uh, luckily we, you know, I don't know, like, I mean, I know we had Skype and everything, like even like whatever, 10 years ago, but I don't know what we would have done without high speed internet and, and some of these, I, what would it have been like any of this stuff, yeah. like the remote learning, the, 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 the calls, the work, I don't know. I mean, would this even know. been possible to, to the extent it is like five what years we are, ago? What we are doing right now probably would have required like a landline with you know recording recorders set up to it and then we'd mail each other the tapes or something instead of just doing it right across the computer um and and, and doing a movie like this i mean i know though like obviously there's the physical production of it but the pre-production was like we were doing zoom calls and you know it was so much of this is previs and working with uh you know, the director working with Previs and we all this stuff was really able to be done, you know, remotely in a really great way. And I'm sure a lot of the posts can be done that way, too. Um, I mean, so much so much of these big spectacle, these Marvel Sony spectacles can be done, you know, so much so much of it is CG. Um, but uh, but obviously we're you know, lots of it is actors on sets with crew. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. Well, I'm not going to I'm not going to pry too much on this again. Uh, uh, it it just sounds like an enormous hassle. I mean, I like. I again, will I, say. I mean, here's what I'll say. I can't really, you know, whatever. I, it, right. There are no, definitely gonna... there are very there there are procedures in place that are very very um uh sophisticated, you know, to, to keep everyone yeah. safe. Um, and there, are, because I've run into people in Atlanta that I've worked in, with, because I've worked on a few movies down there now, and I've run into some crew members who are like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And they're like, "Well, we were doing this TV series, and then there was an outbreak, and now we're shut down indefinitely." Yeah, and it happens. It ha there's, you know, I mean, obviously yeah. we've read about you know high profile ones in the news, um, yeah. but yeah, it's uh, no, but we're everyone's being extremely cautious. It's it's uh, everyone's very dedicated to making sure that we can. Just 
get this thing made. You guys just have Tom Cruise's rant running on a loop in your, <laughs> in your offices. Well, it was funny. The day after that rant, because uh, every morning there's a safety meeting, um, you know, with the whole crew and, you know, going through, okay, you know, uh, you know, all the basic COVID stuff and, and, you know, just the basic set stuff. You know, this is what we have, this rig here and that rig here and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, um, that morning uh, there was just one giant cue card someone had written that said, what Tom Cruise said. And that was the whole safety <laughs> meeting. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, uh, cool. Well, I, you know, that, that, that is more or less everything I wanted to, to ask you about. Um, is so do you anything... think, do you think that was real? Do you think the Tom Cruise rant was real? Uh, no comment. <laughs> no comment on that. I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, pretty, pretty convenient. Uh, here's, here's, I, I, there was, there was actually one, one other thing I, I wanted to touch on you. I mean, you, you said you've been kind of removed from the streaming of it all, but you did do a season of community for Yahoo. Yeah. Um, which is not, not, I guess not really stream. I don't know how you would classify that. Exactly. Well, I think someone needs um, to stream it for it to be considered <laughs> streaming. Someone needs to watch it streaming. Well, it's on, it's on Netflix. Now, well, yeah, uh, no, you know, yeah. Well, I think, is... yeah, I, it is. I don't know how that worked with the Sony deal yeah. at all, but no, I mean, Yahoo was really great. They were really excited. They were starting this streaming platform and, so they had a Paul Feig uh, space show, um, and they, you know, we were dead um, at that point. Um, mm-hmm. And it was funny. That was like that's why I was trying to get into movies because it was like, okay, community's over, it's dead. And I was, I had literally had the feature agent who I didn't even talk to at my agency go, "Can you just set up some meetings because I don't know what to do now?" And <laughs> All I know is I look around these writers' rooms, and for some reason, all of them, are, all these writers are getting younger, and my hair is gray because of six seasons of or five seasons of Community, or I, actually at that point I only done four, um, and that that's why I started actually taking meetings. Uh, that then actually landed like that's what that's a whole uh, that's how I got to uh, into Sony actually. That's how I got in with all these people with Sony because I went and 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 set I I was hired to write Jumanji for them. Um but uh yeah no so then then when I had set up Jumanji I was working on that and then I got this call I was like Yahoo Yahoo's gonna do it. <laughs> like what? I'm like well I can't I'm writing this movie now and and Harmon you know uh convinced me that uh I could do both. And so I came back for season six and um, they were great. They were really supportive. Like they flew us up to the Yahoo campus and Marissa, uh, Meyer, like, you know, hosted like a, a panel with all the actors and Harmon and me for, for, for some reason. Cause I was, uh, cause you know, I, I well, you're the, you're the number two, right? You're co. I was co. I mean, it was Dan's yeah. show. I was, yeah, I was helping. I, I was the one who got yelled at by the producer, you know, the, the, the line <laughs> producers and certain actors and it was fun. Uh, um, because I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know why I was there anymore though, really, because my, you know, as you know, my main job was writing for Pierce Hawthorne, Chevy's character. And yeah, so right. he wasn't on the show anymore. So right. <laughs> it was just, it, they just threw me a bone. They just threw me yeah. a bone. I had to find a new person to write for. Oh, that's good. Um, and, uh, yeah, no. So like they were, you know, we had Kathy Savitt was there and she was, they were, they really thought like, I'm like, oh, you. Like we had struck out ratings wise for for <laughs> NBC and got kicked off the schedule and then brought back and Dan got fired and then brought back and you want oh yeah you want a piece of this but they thought it was like this cult show and I don't know what happened with the whole launching of that platform and everything and I you know I don't know the community That's curse sick. or yeah. 
Yeah, c- congratulations uh, on destroying Yahoo. Uh, well, by by showing you're up welcome. There. It's, you know. You're welcome. You're uh, welcome. But I but I will say I think they were so supportive. They they would let like to the point where and maybe you know for they would give us they give us enough rope to hang ourselves. Or like ah, eh, it can be it's not network, so it can be as long as you want. And I actually think that was really fun for us because one of the hardest things it was a double edged sword because. You had these episodes that some that you know that would come in for NBC, and it's like, holy shit, this is twenty six minutes. How are we going to cut four and a half minutes out of this episode, or five and a half minutes actually? And you're like, wait, we can't. This is all gold. It's all gold. And then you'd work it, work it, work it, and then yeah, there'd be some darlings you'd lose. But then you'd watch it, and you're like, I don't know if I lost. I don't know if I missed that. It was like it had a nice, really fun clip to it, and. We didn't have to do that. We were like, eh, this is, we would have like long runs and we're like, oh, this would be such a long run that would get cut after the table because there's no time for this. It would be a kick. We would shoot it and we'd have to cut it. And there was like really funny, um, like stuff that I think got in there and it had, it definitely has a different pace than, than the yeah. previous seasons. It's a little, I don't know, a little more leisurely that I like. I mean, always snappy because it's Dan. Um, you know, it's, that, that's the that's the uh, template of the show. It's snappy. Uh, got to have you know whatever. It's better have three at least three jokes a page. We got to just go go go. But it definitely could take a little uh, little excursions, uh, like within scenes, and you could go down little funny runs that you loved and you loved to see the actors do and they loved doing. So that was fun and. But it all, occasionally we get to that place where it was like, okay, so Subway, we need money, and Subway wants to do another episode. <laughs> okay, really? We... Subway sandwiches for everyone. Subway sandwiches, not sub, yeah. Not the, not the trains. No, area, no. So. We don't want to get in with the local uh, local transportation. That would have been, Absolutely that would have been the municipal transportation. No. Definitely with uh, a sandwich company that had no skeletons in the closet at <laughs> all um it worked out no they were great they're really supportive i will say and i don't know maybe i don't know we were like okay god i know you guys need the you guys need to do a sponsorship here to pay for you know all the stuff we've been doing and okay fine fine we'll do a subway episode um you know what we'll give them the crown jewel we'll give them a paintball episode we'll, we'll do fucking a subway paintball episode mm. am i allowed to swear yeah. Sorry. Um, man, it's Hollywood. It's man, sorry. Well, when it comes to Hollywood, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have yeah, to take a take, take the scissors out. to this episode. But you know, it's all right. Just just. But you be you. So we we offer them what we thought, whatever, and our crown jewel of the community uh, experience was um, a paintball episode, and they're like, yeah, mm, shooting guns in a school we don't really want to be a part of that I'm like but it's paintball and we've done like some like the people's favorite episodes of the paintball episodes and then they didn't want to do it and we're just kind of like okay well then i guess we're not doing a subway sandwich paintball episode yeah and uh yeah it, it's always funny what people get uh get get nervous about uh on this sort of thing oh school shootings you know i it's always like it's always there's no um there's no perspective there's no perspective on these things because we we were writing like an episode of american dad we were writing an episode that took place at a refugee camp in africa um and like it was basically like the kid like steve the kid was supposed to go off to like a camp 
and somehow we get pulled into like a refugee camp in like like in somewhere in northern Africa. And then they called it like Camp Refugee. And like it was like instead of refugee, and it was like this whole thing. It was like, oh, they tried it like I'm trying to remember, I think Stan Smith, like the the main character, like tries to turn it into like a summer camp for these kids or something. I'm trying to remember. But and we were like in the animatic stage. This wasn't gonna air for like another six months or so, but then Hurricane Katrina hit. And they're like, we can't, and then we all get all these refugees, like, you know, like in the, you know, from Katrina. And they're like, well, we can't, we can't say that we can't do a refugee episode. It's like, because of Hurricane Katrina, there are refugees in New Orleans. We can't do an episode that's going to be six months from now about refugees from like a war in Africa. Yeah, you can't do it. And it was like one of these things are just kind of like, because the word refugee? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It's all of that kind of just like whatever's the news of the day. You have some like right. PR person who's like, no, you can't. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no, I've definitely I've been on a few of those. The back end, a few of those. Uh, all right. We're, we're running long here. I'm going to cut <laughs> so it. I'm glad I ended short. with that anecdote. <laughs> I got to cut it short. Uh, what, I have what, no uh, idea what's going to get cut from this. this is, no, no. Uh, the, the, I always like to ask uh, at the end of the show, is there anything I should have asked uh, uh, about about working in television or writing in Hollywood in general uh, that that I I did not ask that would help people understand the business. What would what what is what is the business angle here that people should know about that I have not in my infinite stupidity uh, thought to ask? Uh, in a writer's room, the food you should never allow anyone to order. Indian food. And if you do, you're the guy, it's basically the equivalent of the guy who microwaves fish in the office. Mm -hmm. And you're sitting in that room for 15 hours a day. And I remember at a certain point, it was like, Indian food banned. And it's, <laughs> it's just it's just too pungent for too long in a, in a writer's room. And just well, know, like, basically, a writer's room is just a bunch of stinky people sitting around on stinky couches that weren't even real couches. They are, like, couches from, like, the failed, like, you know, Malcolm in the Middle times three spinoff. Um, and they're not even, like, real. They're, like, built somewhere that's just, like, wood with, like, upholstery over it. And then they uh -huh. put, and then, like, uh, what are we going to do with these? These were, like, Bob and Linda's couches. Well, we can't just throw them away. Give them to the writers in the writers' room. <laughs> so, all right. I will say no it's Indian, just uh, you know, on no feed, Indian food and bring a pillow. Yeah. Also, writers, even even in TV, just a little above dirt. It's just sort of like the top sediment. Like there is, it's a soil. It's soil. You're just dirt in features and features. Soil, top soil in uh, TV. Okay. Fancy dirt. Yeah. Fancy. Little mulch in there. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. Thank you, Chris, uh, for being on the show. Really appreciate it. We're all looking forward to watching uh, Spider-Man number eight, Untitled Adventures of Peter Parker, uh, when it gets to theaters. Yes, it's theaters. Be in theaters. Yeah, it'll be in theaters. Because theaters, theaters are not dead yet. Um, hopefully. Fingers crossed. And uh, we will be back next week on another episode of The Bulwark Goes to Holland.